Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan basketball, recruiting, football, uh, other sports all year round. Our podcast meets once a week. I'm Zach Shaw, the host, Steve Lorenz. On the phone with me today, Isaiah Pohl is normally here, but he is uh, under the weather. He didn't have a podcast-ready voice, so he's taken an off week. Uh, but still, we have lots to talk about. Uh, I think this week is probably going to be mostly basketball. Uh, football news, there was mm, nothing nothing major. There is some recruiting news that we'll get to at the end of the show. Obviously, our show is driven largely by the questions that we get. And so if you do have a question, feel free to tweet at me at underscore Zach Shaw anytime. I also tweet out requesting questions uh, every Wednesday and then remind you guys all on Thursday. We record Thursday afternoon, so be sure to get those in if you have something you want to address. I will say, just because I think I think the questions are starting to steer toward the uh, rumor stuff that would normally be VIP under our site at 247sports.com slash Michigan and the MichiganInsider.com. Uh, this is a free podcast, so we're not going to give you, you know, the the best, best information. So try to, you know, keep it more discussion-oriented, stuff you might want to hear our opinions on. We do want to provide information, but we're not going if, to... If we, if we know, you know, a recruit is going to commit, you know, in, a, in, a, in five days or something like that, that's going to go on our board. That's going to go to our paying customers. This is more of a discussion, roundtable-style podcast. Uh, and so hopefully hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, most people have. So just keep that in mind when you're thinking about questions. But we'll get right into it. Michigan basketball had a about as good of a week as you can imagine. If you think about the last time we recorded, they were going to play at Michigan State. I think I predicted an 11-point loss for Michigan. And then they were going to host Maryland. And they ended up winning both of them. And lo and behold, the, the game at Michigan State was actually the their best game. And we'll get into the team and kind of what they're going through, what's what's the latest with them, and what's next. But first, we did get a couple questions regarding the underappreciation of John Beeline, which is, uh, I, I'm glad the fans have, have come around, because I remember this time last year was when the Fire Beeline mantra was kind of reaching its peak before Michigan went on a run. Always thought that was silly. Look at his history. Look at Michigan basketball's history. You know, he's got he's got two of their six Big Ten titles since 1968. Uh, if I if I have that stat correct, I think he has one of their uh, well, you want to count the final or the Fab Five, one of their four final fours in the last 40 years. So uh, certainly his history is there anyway. Moudini, uh, Rick Moody, he redeemed himself after a question that we did not. Uh, think was well thought out last week, but he said, why is John Beeline so underappreciated slash hyped compared to Harbaugh? He should be, we should be extremely thankful speaking as Michigan fans. This guy is a genius and a hall of famer. And Steve, I want to hear your thoughts in a moment, but I think the, the obvious thing is that John Beeline, well, there's two things. One, John Beeline never went to the NBA. He was never NBA coach of the year. You know, he wasn't coaching a team to the NBA Finals. He His beginnings are about as humble as they get. He was like a, a middle school or high school teacher, uh, high school basketball coach. Then he, I mean, he was like in his late 40s before he even got a Division One head coaching job, you know, and, and he he's never been an assistant, but he's been spent a lot of time 
at a lot of small schools. Uh, you know, it was, it was a, I mean, he spent nine years at Lemoyne, right? And, and, you know, most coaches who are, if you look around the nation and coaches who are, you know, the big time top 10, top 15 coaches, uh, most of them did not spend nine years at a, at a school like Lemoyne. So I think that's part of it. Uh, I think also Michigan football is always going to command a presence. It's just, it's just a bigger sport. More people go, more people care. I think they have four times as many Facebook fans than the Michigan basketball team. So that means if you, if that's your metric, 75% of people that like Michigan football don't really care about Michigan basketball, at least until, you know, the NCAA tournament comes around. So I think that's part of it. I think the personalities are also there. I mean, John Beeline is, is uh, so by the book, it, it hurts sometimes, you know, it's sometimes it's a detriment to the Wolverines and sometimes it's just hilarious, you know, like he, he just refuses to violate a rule and Harbaugh is a big fan of rules, but he's also a big fan of loopholes. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I just tweeted out how many recruits there are. uh, All the big 10 states combined have fewer recruits in the top 24 seven than California and Texas. So he obviously has to do work to, he faces an uphill battle but I think that comes off as eccentric, and that's that's stuff that's going to grab attention. He wants attention, whereas Beeline wants to kind of sneak up on teams. And so I think that's part of it. I also just think that there are a lot of people who don't realize the context of Michigan basketball and that, I mean, producing a first-round draft pick every single year, that is not something Michigan basketball has historically done. So, Steve, Beeline versus Harbaugh, I guess, what are your thoughts to this question? Yeah, I think you kind of touched on it. So I actually just looked up, you know, he's from Burt, New York. I just looked up where Burt, New York is on the map, and it could not be any more in the middle of nowhere uh, than, I mean, it's it's up by Lake Ontario. It's It's just so tiny. It's so tiny, in fact, that if you go to Google Maps and you Google and you map Burt, New York, it actually says, it says Burt, New York is a hamlet in the town of Newfane in Niagara County, New York, United States. It is the hometown of University of Michigan's med basketball coach, John Beeline. And then so that's John it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's literally it. So that so John Beeline is Burt, New York. Um you know, illustrating that yeah, he's humble beginnings, uh middle of nowhere kind of guy. I think you you see it just in the in his demeanor, um in his day to day, you know, the way he is day to day. I think there was a, I think it was Josh. Was it Henschke that that Beeline gave a ride back to his car or something a couple of years ago? I mean, he's that kind of guy. Um, I, I agree. I mean, it's the the fire B. I kind of chuckled in the background when you were mentioning the fire Beeline stuff. Just illustrates like how stupid people are still, um, and how for granted I think maybe now is like sort of the turning point. Uh, where I don't think he's necessarily being taken for granted anymore, considering you know this was a team I don't think the expectations were yeah. too too high with, uh, and now all of a sudden like Michigan looks formidable. Uh, at the very least, they look like a team you don't want to play in March, and that's when you consider how much better they're going to get as the season wears on. Uh, but really, you know, Beeline's one of those guys where he if you break it down, like you, you do a breakdown in pregame position by position, I think nine times out of 10, like 
you're going to choose Michigan as far as coaching goes. Um, he's the one other thing he's done really well. He's picked great assistant coaches. I think that says a lot about who he is as a coach too. Yeah. Um, you know, Saudi Washington was obviously a, a huge hire. He's done a great Enjoy job. Enjoy him while you got him, Michigan fans. <laughs> right. And he's then, like seven for seven on things he was supposed to do. Right. And then Luke Yaklich has been, has really, I think, picked up the momentum that Billy Donlin got started defensively. Uh, I thought Michigan's defensive performance against Michigan State was exceptional. And, uh, you know, that's obviously defense being kind of the one weak link, I guess, of Beeline's tenure. You know, they've never had necessarily a great defensive team. This appears to be the exception, but maybe, I think, maybe a pattern of the future, though, too. Um, Yeah, I mean, the track record is just, it's unbelievable. Uh, It's not, this isn't, you know, Kentucky, Carolina, you know, guys that, I don't really give John Calipari a bunch of credit for when they sign six top 20 overall players and they all go to the pros and say, yeah, he's really good at, you know, turning these guys. I mean, those guys probably would have been pros no matter where they sign. Mm-hmm. Um, Beeline has taken guys and turned them into something. Yeah. You know, and DJ Wilson last year is like the quintessential example. Levert, I think, is really the other. Um, Stoskis. Uh, obviously the names everyone's familiar with, but, um, you know, but, but it, it hasn't just been that it's just also, it's, it's been able, uh, an ability to mesh all of that develop. And then while meshing all of that talent into a formidable, you know, basketball program year in and year out. And uh, yeah, and he's done it by the book. I mean, that's people, most people I would assume have some idea that basketball recruiting is not the cleanest, <laughs> you know, situation. And I think the fact that he succeeds at the level he does knowing that, I mean, his peers, them, you know, the peers themselves have said that he's the cleanest guy in college basketball. I mean, yeah. he's, you know, here's the funny, I guess I'd, I'd end, I end it with this. You know, there's always this talk about Michigan man and what's a Michigan man. To me, I think John Beeline is like the epitome of what Michigan people are thinking about when they talk about a guy like that a guy who holds himself to a high moral standard and a guy who is, uh, you know, the best at what he puts in the time, puts in the work, the best at what he does, or one of the best at what he does, but does it like the right way. And I I think he's like, what more do you want, you know, from him? I mean, they got, you know, they were on the precipice of a national championship, you know, a bad call away maybe from a national championship. And uh, I mean, geez, you got to think the next two or three seasons that there there's got to be a legit chance they make a nice run uh, with the roster, with the the ro- current roster, and with the future roster with the yeah. guys they got coming in. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, as far as compared to Harbaugh, yeah, I mean, they're totally different guys, both effective, and that's kind of what makes it, I think, interesting. Uh, both effective, just in completely different fashions. Yeah, Harbaugh can't help that he was not raised in Burt, New York. He was not the eighth of nine children to a mill worker, an apple farmer. I mean, this is, it's such a, I mean, it's almost like a, a Cinderella story that he's where he is. I mean, he spent four years at Erie Community College, a couple years at Nazareth in New York, nine years at Lemoyne, uh, six years at Canisius, you know, and then, and then he starts, you know, getting into the division one ranks with Richmond, West Virginia, and Michigan. Like, 
No, I I I agree. Uh, second question we got in regards to Beeline, Philip Gravel. Oh, sorry, not Philip Gravel. Um, I am Stefan Zonia says, can you guys talk about the bogus narrative that Izzo greater than Beeline because of March performance? UM outlasted MSU for the last five years. Now, I'm not saying... I, I First, I, I think it's worth noting that Izzo has been to as many Final Fours as Michigan has in all of its history. So that is where the narrative come from. You know, there's only one group of seniors at Michigan State uh, that have gone played for four years and not been to at least one Final Four. So that, that kind of is the narrative there. But in regards to Beeline, I mean, I think... I think it might be safe to well maybe Steve maybe Holtman at Ohio State but I think he might the fact that he's doing it again and creating another wave of where Michigan is kind of one of the top teams in the Big 10 cuz I think I think you're right I think we're going to see it next this season and then the next two seasons and honestly maybe even that third season I don't know exactly you know it's hard to tell right now who's who's going to be around by then but you know, he's got a second wave. And to me, if you have a second wave of success roughly four years after your first wave started, uh, you it's not an accident. You know, you didn't just happen to fall upon some recruits that were naturally going to be pros or naturally going to be great players. You made that happen and you're making it happen again. And I think so. Yeah, I, I think fans are starting to realize that with this year's group, because I think most people thought. You know, maybe top 30, but probably around that seven or eight seed. And right now, if if the tournament started tomorrow, they'd be a five seed. And it seems like they're only getting better uh, with each passing week. So so the fact that he did it again, I I think that has kind of gotten fans back on the, oh, wait, you know, it wasn't it wasn't just a one time thing. He's actually just a very good coach that can do a lot of stuff. Um, As for the assistants. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Saudi Washington, I wouldn't, if I were a mid-major in the Midwest, I'd be, he'd be circled in red a couple times because I think he's, I mean, the way he developed Wilson, Wagner, uh, Teske, the way he's recruited the state of Michigan, you know, actually beating Michigan State out for, what, three prospects. So, you know, I mean, Isaiah Livers, look how good he's doing. He was a Michigan State fan growing up. If Izzo had pushed harder, or you know, if if Saudi Washington hadn't been with Michigan, who knows if he's even he might have been destroying Michigan, you know, on Saturday or, or Brandon John, same thing. You know, it's it's not an accident that these things are going in Michigan's favor despite Michigan State thriving the way that it is. Uh, it's just Michigan, Michigan found something, and and so let's let's talk about the team itself. Uh, we talked about the Purdue game. So we we know that, but uh, other things that went well, you know, Steve, you mentioned the defense. Uh, I think they forced what 18 turnovers uh, against Michigan State. They only turned the ball over seven times. And if you're a plus 11 in the turnover margin, you are going to win uh, pretty much all of your games. Maryland, it wasn't quite as drastic, but it was pretty similar. You know, they're still they're still forcing a lot of turnovers. It looks like it was uh, it was 12 to f- 12 to 6 uh in in that game. But what's interesting to me is how good they are in turnover situations. I think they're av- scoring like 1.2 points per possession uh off of turnovers at least in the past 3 games. It's it's a number like that. 
And then on defense, you know, I think there's a stat. Uh, I think MGO blog and or UM Hoops might have tweeted it out that they're number one in the entire nation in transition defense. And Steve, I don't know, I don't know, you know, what you've seen. Uh, obviously, this team's a little bit more athletic than I think past teams were, but it just, from my point of view, it just seems like they care a lot more about getting back on defense, and it's like it's become more of a point of emphasis. And I don't know if maybe it's always been a point of emphasis, but this team seems to understand it and grasp it a little bit more. Yeah, I actually think somebody on our board made a pretty good point about it too, like uh, giving Coach Yaklich like a lot of credit, which he deserves absolutely. At the same time, you know, Michigan. I don't know when the last time they had a pure wing that defended as well as Charles Matthews. And then Xavier Simpson is an elite defensive player too, in my opinion. And then you have John Teske as well, who's a force. Livers is a natural defender too. Yeah, Yeah, Livers has obviously been a huge defensive uh, boost for them at the four. So I think they just have players that are better at defense too. But I agree a lot of when you talk about, especially you talk about transition, a lot of that is just want um, on transition defense. So I agree with your point about, you know, that I think that they want to be better there, uh, that that's a lot of it's passion, a lot of it's effort. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the defense is, is creating opportunities for the offense uh, on a more consistent basis. I feel like, you know, it. I, I guess to me, the biggest, the real turning, I mean, we've we've seen them. You know, they took Purdue to the brink. They really should have had that game. Uh, but to me, you know, second half, it's like seven or eight minutes left against Michigan State. I think they took like a seven or eight-point lead. <clears throat> How long have we been watching, even just watching basketball, let alone if it's Michigan or not, and the whole time in the back of your mind you're thinking, okay, like Michigan State is going to make a run here. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be up to Michigan to – either withstand the run or, you know, or they're going to go down, but it never happened. And I think it was, yeah, it was because of just pure effort and want on the defensive end, whether it was in transition or not. And, uh, you know, and, and excellent coaching uh, by beeline, obviously too. uh, Yeah. They were ready for that game. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, Jackson being in foul trouble probably helped Michigan a bit, a lot because he was getting whatever he wanted, but I mean, for Nick, they knew exactly how to defend Nick Ward. You know, they knew exactly how to defend Miles Bridges. And that's two of their big three. You know, Xavier Simpson did a number on Winston. So three of their four. And suddenly if Jackson's in foul trouble, they have nothing going for him. Can I just say, I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched Michigan. I've watched, I think I watched him once early on in the season. I think Jaron Jackson's their best player. Like, I know Miles Bridges is the one. I think with all most the hype. agree with that. Like all the F- Michigan State fans I know, they're like, you know, we thought Miles Bridges was going to be National Player of the Year, but Jackson's just way better than him. I, I just he's that guy is. I mean, he's an he's got to be a one and done. I mean, he's gonna he could be a star in the NBA. Oh, he's projected uh, to be like picked like fifth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with his skill set, I mean, I was amazed. It was really the first time I'd gotten to watch him, and uh, man, I mean, I know he got to the free throw line a lot. That took away from what his like listed field goal attempts were, but I still can't believe he only took seven shots in the game. I know, I know the foul trouble maybe played a little bit of a role there too, but man, I mean, you know, he was six blocks he was, too. 
Yeah, he's great. He was a lot of fun to watch, man. I mean, that'd, that'd be a great. I mean, that'd be a guy I'd tune in to watch twice a week uh, if I was a Michigan State fan. So, in um, the thing about that, I I think their best basketball is still ahead of them too. So, just like I mean, much like I think with Michigan, but um, yeah, I mean, are we? Re recalibrating the expectations again for Michigan. <laughs> is this like here, the fourth or... week that we've done it? I think so. No, I know, but yeah. I mean, it's it's like they keep, but it's kind of it's almost weird because it's like we've been like kind of joking or laughing about recalibrating expectations consistently, but at the same time, it's you know because a few of these contributors are so young, you know they're going to get better. Yeah, and uh, and they're getting better, and they're still getting better, and uh, so. You know, it's 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 been an enjoyable season. I think it's been an en- more enjoyable season than the past few. Not past necessarily, three, yeah. Yeah, not even because it was like that it was unexpected that they'd turn out to be as good as it looks like they are. I just think it's it's so tangible that some of these guys have gotten so much better. And mm-hmm. again, I know that's another point that we've talked about a few times, but I mean, you still are seeing it. I mean, they're winning games. You know, I know Wagner carried them against Michigan State, uh, but it's one of those things where they're getting contributions from a lot of different players, and there's not a there's not an onus on one or two guys. Like they've won they've won a couple of these games with Matthews has had a really off off day offensively. Well, yeah, I mean against Maryland, right? Simpson, Abdurrahman, and Matthews were a combined seven for thirty one. And yeah. so Rockman yeah. only had two points in the first 39 minutes. Right. Exactly. And so they're, they're, and again, you know, the other thing too, I mean, Maryland was pretty good as well. That Cowan, holy cow, man. He might he's be one of the, best. the best big 10 point guard. It, yeah. It's him and Winston I mean, are the, are the two that stick out to me. I mean, he was like, I mean, I thought he was better than Winston was personally, at well, least. Yeah. <laughs> but I know we didn't, we didn't see Winston's best game uh, against Michigan. Again, credit, credit to Simpson. And I also kind of wonder if Simpson's legs, have, you know, were maybe a little bit tired coming off the, the game on Saturday. Having to turn fair, around yeah. And, yeah. Having to turn around and cover a guy like Cowan, who was just a blazer uh, in blazer in the lane, but then also drop back and, and pop it from deep. So um, I thought, yeah, I think Michigan beat two, obviously Michigan state. Very good. I think, I think Maryland's got a good team too. And I know they weren't at full strength, but uh, they still had pretty good, some pretty good players. They still out there. had five top 100 recruits, former top 100 recruits, in their rotation on Monday. Yeah. You know that's Jeez. which is I think more than Michigan has. I I would I believe so. I think yeah. what Simpson, Poole, uh, is that it? Holy cow! Was Matthews? Matthews? Matthews is in there too. Um, wait, who are you asking about? Livers wasn't top 100. No, I think he was like 116. Michigan's got, I mean, Mo Wagner was like 113. So it's not like Michigan has no recruits, but. We we had Livers, 24-7 had Livers as a three-star. Ugh. Well, I don't think anyone who saw him felt that way, so. Yeah, no, I mean, I watched him live last year. Yeah, Yeah. basketball stars are, I I think that they're a little bit funkier than, um, than football because there's fewer scouts and like it's more it's more like how high can you jump how long are your arms than you know what kind of player are you in games because like dj wilson uh, although i guess this is a kind of disproves my point a little bit but like 
you know, you watch his high school tape, he looks like he should have been like a top 80, top 75 recruit. And right. I think he was just from Sacramento and didn't do as much AAU stuff. So he never got the, he was like 118 or something like that. So credit to Beeline for not just going by the stars. I think he's, he's a good example of someone who goes by what they think they can get out of you. Uh, but anyway, back to, back to the team. Yeah, I thought I thought Maryland. You know, I wrote about this. I mean, they were they were tired. They couldn't shoot. Uh, I think honestly, they were maybe not even physically fatigued. I just think they were mentally fatigued. I just think that they, as much as they tried to not do it, I think that there was an element of, man, we got to play again. You know, we have to pretend like this matters one tenth as much as the Michigan State win does. Um, but I I guess credit to them. And I think this is something. This is the other thing that I think is really encouraging about Michigan. And I think this will be my last point about what's going well, and then we'll switch into what's next. But I think Michigan is elite right now at halftime adjustments, and yeah. that might be the assistance, the new assistance. I think Yaklich is kind of like Beeline that he's been around the game forever, and so he can like read and diagnose plays and figure out the solution. Uh, you know, Haynes. You know, he still plays in practice. Like, he's on the scout team. He's a scout team point guard once in a while. And, and so I think he's able to connect with the point guards really well on, you know, if they're switching screens or if they come out in a, in a you know, mesh press or all the, you know, various things that the teams are trying to do against Michigan. I think that they're really good. And obviously, Washington and Beeline know their stuff too. I think that they're really good at it. But I also wonder. If the players, if it just clicks with them faster, because, you know, in past years, and I'm going to have a story about this, you know, there were lots of questions thrown at this team a year ago when they were two and four in the Big Ten, 12 and seven overall. And one of the questions was, you know, what's up with the defense? And Beeline said, well, there's like this tape delay, you know, we'll tell them something and they won't quite get it until like four days later. And he hasn't mentioned the tape delay at all this season and I wonder with these halftime adjustments, if this team just is really heady about stuff like they just they, they hear something and they say, OK, this is how we do it. And I I think so. I think I think that's that's probably what's helping them the most, because right now they have trailed at halftime in eight games, including their last four. And they are five and three when trailing at halftime and are outscoring teams by nine points a game in that second half. And. That's, I mean, you know, it's unsustainable, but it's also a testament to what they're doing. So let's talk about what's next. And and we mentioned Livers. I think he's probably one of the two guys that everyone's looking at and saying, well, if he keeps getting better, this team, this team can do some, some real damage. And then the other one, obviously Jordan Poole. Beeline mentioned yesterday, uh, they're, they're trying, they might consider having Abdul Rahman play point guard and have pool at the two and, and Matthews at the three more often. They tried it against Maryland for a couple minutes. It didn't really work, but you can keep working on it. So Steve, I guess when you look at this team and they're right now, you know, their Ken Palm win probability, very likely that they go uh, 12 and six, 11 and seven, maybe even 13 and five in the big 10. But these are interesting games where you can get better as a team and kind of get on a roll and get prepared for March. What are some things that you're seeing uh, that are really integral next steps? If if we are going to 
elevate, recalibrate the expectations. Now it's be a top four seed, you know, maybe contend for a Big Ten title, be be a team with the expectations of Sweet 16, Elite Eight. I guess what is the next step for them in order to kind of enter that category for real, not just kind of be on the fringe where they are right now? Um, I think I've always said that Mar is the most important player on the roster. I've been I said that before the year. I still believe that, but I I still think more offensive consistency from Matthews is 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 going to be really pivotal. Um, he's he seems he plays a little lackadaisical with the ball sometimes. I feel like it kind of reminds me of Zach Irvin. Sometimes I don't. I'm not really sure what he's doing. Um, he also is kind of like him and Wagner have, seem to have these spells too, where you know, there's a possession and they just made up their mind that they're going to take the shot at some point. You know, they get the ball and then they just they decide I'm going to force a shot here. And uh, you know, sometimes that can come at inopportune times and it can hurt. So I I, I don't know. I mean, I could be could be way off on this one. I, I think more consistency from Matthews on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, maybe, maybe even just his shot selection too. I know he missed a few bunnies against Maryland. Everybody missed a few bunnies against Maryland, but um, yeah, well, he still missed them, you know. Right, right. And uh, the other guy, I, I think just the continued development of Teske too. Uh, hmm. He's quietly really valuable uh, as far as. They can play. They can be a lot more caught because I mean, it's like a, it's like a law at this point that Wagner is going to have at least one like ticky tack foul call on him uh, throughout. I mean, I can't remember the last game where, where he didn't get called for a foul, and I thought, like, that was kind of, it's kind of iffy one, you know. And that seems to happen a lot with him. And I think there's the more there's a developing comfort there, knowing I feel feel like they can be a little more cautious with Wagner not feel like they have to force him out there because Teske's playing at a high enough level, you know, that the drop off, you know, is, is not that it's not big. And, uh, especially like to see him again, more offensively to see him develop a little bit more on the offensive end of the floor. Teske, uh, I think is another, yeah, I think that's one of those steps too. Uh, yeah. I know. I guess I look at those two guys. Uh, those are personally. actually good ones. Those are no, they weren't the ones I was thinking of. So this will be a good discussion. But um, are you going to say Mar? Uh, I was going to say I was going to say Livers, obviously, and then and then probably Simpson. I mean, if Simpson versus Cassius Winston, if that happens eight more times in these final eleven games, I think Michigan's going to win all eight all eight of those games. You know, yeah, and if it happens, if it starts happening every night, well, then. You might be, you might be looking at a banner year, and I still I wouldn't predict that. But if if Monday was indeed him on short rest, not indeed him going through some peaks and valleys as as a sophomore point guard, uh, that's one thing. Regarding Matthews, I didn't realize this. He has quietly really cooled off in 2018. He had a great 2017, but he only has 55 points in his last five games, so 11 a game. And he is doing that on 49 shots. So yeah, a point like a shot yeah. is generally for fans who don't follow that closely. That's generally not that good. Uh, you probably want you know 1.5 to two points a shot. 
and obviously if you have more you have more but um so he's he is he has cooled off and i think i don't think it's him struggling i think it's other teams knowing what he can do that would be my personal take on it and we saw that you know i know people like to think have this narrative that duncan robinson just can't make shots against good teams no it's good teams being able to close out on his threes a little bit more, playing him a little closer to the perimeter. Teams teams have figured out kind of what he can do, at least the good teams have, and so he has fewer open looks. And same with, you know, Purdue shut down Mo Wagner like nobody's business, especially in the first half. I mean, they just, they just made it so he wasn't going to score. And so it's on these players, and this is what Beeline said when asked what he wants to improve from this team, is he wants this team to know... You know, when when some, they're playing a certain type of defense, here's how the offense can adjust. Or, you know, when a player's hot, here's how we kind of shut him down and make sure he can't do his thing. Uh, regarding Teske, I think he, he he might be the most, maybe not like the most valuable player on the team, but the marginal value of the backup center over what a replacement level backup center in the Big Ten and in the nation is. He might have the most value there, you know, the the wins above replacement kind of mindset, because, you know, if if he and Robinson are in, I know Robinson has defense defensive deficiencies at the four. And I know fans are getting on his case a little bit. But when Teske is in there with him, suddenly the post is you know, Robinson has some margin for error because uh, Teske can can do. um you know, he can be in there and stop a layup that maybe someone got by Robinson for. And um, anyway, uh, so, so yeah, I think he's such a defensive force. I don't know if his offense comes this year. And I don't mean that to, like, you know, throw a cloud of doubt on him. I just, I think, I think his role, I think he's still a step away from being someone that's going to. I think he needs a few more games like he had against... Detroit and Alabama A&M where he had a ton of minutes and, and uh, Jacksonville too. I think he probably needed a few of those under his belt to really get a feel for the offense. Cause it is, it is tricky. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's that. I think you're going to see more Jordan pool. You're going to see more Isaiah livers, uh, you know, and we'll see. I'm curious to see what Simpson does against Nebraska. Uh, obviously by the time most of our listeners listen to this, uh, the game will already be over. So we won't talk too much about it. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know, anything else stand out to you this week about basketball or, or as far as looking ahead uh, into into the rest of the season, Steve? I don't think so. I think give a quick shout-out to Michigan signee David DeJulius, though. Uh, yeah. Holy cow, is he on a tear. I mean, his uh, – you talk about recruiting rankings. I mean, he's a guy I should see a significant bump. I mean, he's doing some ridiculous things. I mean, he ran the MSU commit out of the gym with Tom Izzo in attendance about a month ago and then yeah. put up 49 and 42 back-to-back against – I think I know they weren't favored in, in one of those games. They won both of them. Uh, Beeline, that's going back to – he's so good at finding these – I mean – you know, I want to say that they offered him, Beeline offered him upon first viewing. On first like, live, they had met and they had talked and they had seen his film. 
But yeah, the first live game Beeline went to of Julius, there was awesome. an offer. Yeah. Yeah, and that's for Beeline. That's rare, mm-hmm. and so you should should have been should have been an indication right away that he's not a three star prospect. I mean, it's kind of funny. I always think about that with the recruiting rankings. Um, I guess really, I know fans may not want to hear this, but I kind of compare it to the way with Michigan State and football. Uh, if as long a track record as they've had with underranked guys mm-hmm. uh, that they should, when they recruit a guy or when they get a guy or, you know, they target a guy, go after him. I think the, those who rank uh, should maybe pay a little bit more attention to a few of those players. So, and that's what I think would be line in basketball. I mean, it's uh, and then you see what the Julius is doing right now. And it's like, that's not a three, that's not three star basketball. I mean, that's, that's four star basketball for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so future's bright. You know, I Great saw bringing in. a comparison, and we don't need to discuss it because I, I mean, obviously it's silly, but people both. I I looked at Michigan State's board and Michigan's board after Saturday's game, and both boards had people comparing D'Antonio to Beeline, and right. I don't, I don't know D'Antonio well enough to know if that actually holds up. But the, as far as the developing players, the I don't care what your stars are, I care what you know what you can do while you're in college. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of preferring the quiet route, not minding that there's another school in the state that gets attention. I think there is some validity there, uh, and I think I think for Beeline and obviously the results are there for D'Antonio. It works for both of them. So anyway, speaking of football, let's switch to football. Um, obviously not a ton of news. We'll get to recruiting in a moment, but we did get one question from Umish Jenks, who said. Why doesn't the media ask harder questions for J.H., Jim Harbaugh, if you didn't know? Like, why haven't hired? Why haven't you hired an up-and-coming O.C. slash fired Drevno when this past year you passed the fewest passing TDs since the 1970s? Um, so, rabble, 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 right? rabble, rabble. <laughs> uh, first of all, I do think, here's here's the thing, and I think there is a misunderstanding of how press conferences work. Because as Michigan and all these sports teams, they are not, they're not politics, right? Like the, it would, the, the, you know, president and, and, you know, the other, you know, senators and congressmen, they're required to speak to the public. Uh, I, well, it's, you know, there's a strong precedent for sports teams to do that. They technically are not required to btn does require a a press conference once a week otherwise you don't get your btn 51 million dollar paycheck but they are not required to credential anyone to that you know and so so as far as like don't blame the media here because because we also have to like if we ask harbaugh on a monday you know why is tim drevno still have a job first of all that's a really douchey thing to ask you know in any situation, uh, I, I dare someone to ask someone face to face why they are employing someone, especially in a public situation like that. And, you know, there have been there. There were times where the board was saying, you know, Drevno's got to go. Drevno's got to go. And then we had to, uh, we, we talked to Drevno two days later. You know, I mean, the fact of the matter is uh, the media asking is not going to convince harbaugh to make a change and not gonna get an answer right that like, too that's, people don't people don't understand that 
and you might if get you your want, credential pulled. Like if he doesn't like you, say, yeah, you're you gonna alienate, lose your privilege. Yeah. If you want to alienate yourself, ask a stupid question like that, and then find yourself not covering games, not getting any inside info, nothing. And so, then you know what? You every person's job, kind of in this business, kind of depends on being able to be a, an insider or at least you know on-site coverage person. So yeah, I mean. And and I don't think – I think there is a, a fair question that, you know, this whole blue wall debate, I think there might be. I think there's a good portion of reporters who don't want to rock the boat. You know, they don't want to get a non-answer from Harbaugh, even if it is uh, – I, I think there is a little bit of validity there. But at the same time, you can't just go in, swing in, and expect to, you know, get – any sort of benefit from it. Cause Harbaugh, he'll shut you down for even very mundane questions. Like someone asked like, Oh, you know, what does it mean to you to, to uh, have a military appreciation day? He's like, he just like basically gave an, a next question thing. And Harbaugh loves the military and he loves uh, soldiers. He uses it part of it. Like, like it was actually like a very much a softball question. He still shut it down. And so, you know, and that's, I mean, it's who he is. I don't think it's, you know, there's lots of coaches like that. Not too many quite like that. But, yeah, you're not going to get an answer. You're going to look bad. You run the risk of losing the access that allows you to have the job. Uh, Also, it's just kind of a, again, douchey, unproductive way to go about things. You know, I, I did stories. I did grades of, you know, the various position groups. And I offered grades for how they did this season. And I backed it up with facts. And it was my own analysis and insight. You know, that's, that's you know, I don't see what's, you know, you really want to hear what Harbaugh has to say about it. You're One, you're not going to hear it. And two, you know, what's he going to do? Throw throw his coworkers under the bus? Well, then suddenly you aren't going to get new coworkers. People don't want to work for people yeah. like that. So... <laughs> We've probably spent too much time on this question, but the, the... no, it's important. It's important, man. I mean, it's like you, like I, I agree with you that it's like people treat it like it's politics, like they owe. I I buy sweatshirts, so I deserve like to know <laughs> right. what is going on. And it's like you know, they're they they're not required. Yeah, they're not the most important thing. And what the basis of the whole thing is, they're not required to tell you anything. Yeah, you're not going to get the answer. And like you said, asking about a co- asking about a guy specifically. I mean, though, I think it was asked. You know, are you going to consider any? I wasn't that asked after the bowl game. Are you going to consider any changes on the offensive side of the ball? And he said, "We'll consider all possibilities." Yeah, and like that's, that's again, you're gonna, yeah, that's as far as you're going to get. You know, and uh, so. You know, I get that people are frustrated. I mean, it, you know, it frustrates us because people are more annoying when they're frustrated. <laughs> so, you know, I get it. But, yeah, you're not – you think you'd still be the sense enough to know that you're never going to get an answer on it. And it's not even remotely worth being the idiot that's bold enough to ask the question in the first place. So, um yeah. Okay. You're right. We're well, done. yeah, no. And just to, I mean, just to close it up, like if you really want to hold, I mean, look, they're not going to, you know, Harbaugh's not going to go anywhere because you don't like with the job that he's doing. 
right? Like the only way it's going to happen is if suddenly the boosters, the the ticket sales, you know, uh, the the school, the players, it the people. Like no offense, but you know, if you really want something to happen, you're going to have to make them notice and make them miss you. And so maybe you don't renew your season tickets because they went eight and five. Well, you know, your call. But if enough people did that, then they'd listen, you know, or, or, you know, anyway, um, <laughs> again, probably too much time. I wouldn't have said, I wouldn't have said no offense. I would have said offense, <laughs> offense, but yeah, I always, that's what I always go with offense. I use offense more than no offense. Well, cause like, I mean, I'm sure you're in the same boat. I have family members who are unhappy with various decisions the program makes. And this is what I tell them. Like, you know make them make them care about your opinion you know that's the only way that's the only way it's going to work we also got a a response to that question saying they're too busy asking harbaugh about the nfl uh that's some fake news Uh, that better not i almost respond i saw that and i almost said you better not be referring to us because we're not even remotely not one i will say this i can say this with confidence having been to these pressers not one michigan beat reporter has ever asked Harbaugh about returning to the NFL. Not one. Every single person that's done it is, as Steve kind of mentioned, that idiot that, you know, doesn't cover the team regularly, that just goes in there, asks the question, everyone rolls their eyes. Harbaugh rolls their eyes, gives them a death stare, and gives and says no. And so, you know, (laughs) that's pretty much what would happen if anyone asked any sort of divisive question, which I guess... You know that's that's Harbaugh's way. He's he's going to shut down divisive questions. Anyway, moving on. There wasn't much football news. Uh, there was one nugget though, and Umich football tweeted it out. I believe there was like eight pictures in total. Uh, some are of the new facilities that are done, and some are what's coming. And Steve, I believe you put this all you put the story together at 247sports.com. I guess what are your thoughts on the facilities? Did it? I mean, you've you've seen what some of these other schools have. Uh, did this one, I guess, meet the expectations? And then also, you know, does it is it gonna make the team better? I don't know. I mean, make the team better be a tough question to answer. I think Ben. I'm Herbert, asking that to kind of tell you. No, I know. I know. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. <laughs> ben Herbert will probably be the guy that. We'll determine whether or not they get better in the weight room. Um, no, I, I know we're using this as like the segue. I think it's mostly a recruiting uh, facilities are mostly a recruiting thing. Um, it's mostly so when kids and families come in, they can go, Ooh, ah, that's really cool. And uh, you know, it's, it, it's kind of part of the arms race. Uh, Michigan badly needed an upgrade though. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, they, yeah, I think they were a little behind as far as that stuff goes. So this is it comes at a nice time. Uh, it's needed. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's really what it boils down to for me. Uh, you've already, I think we already saw a couple, saw a couple of videos on Twitter today of the current players kind of hanging out in there playing. There was a couple of them were playing basketball and the, that like caged in. Yeah. That like, was, like, is that a thing players, I guess they like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I never thought about that as like a must have in football facilities, but then again, they've got like barber shops and like snack shacks right. and hot tubs yeah. and pools. So, yeah, yeah. They, or uh, I mean, 
Clemson. I don't know if Clemson's is even done or if it ever fit, but they had like a slide. Like yeah, the Clemson's Google was, slide. Yeah. yeah. Clemson's was insane. Um, well, wasn't it UCF? So, was it UCF that had the, um, they're going to have a mini golf and like an yep. outdoor pool and water slide, um, yeah. beach volleyball court. It's like, man, I should have worked harder and been born 10, 15 years later and then gone to UCF to play sports. But right No, I agree. So yeah, it's mostly a recruiting thing. Um, in my opinion, it always has been the facility stuff. I mean, yeah, like you said, you want state of the art, like stuff, you know, when you're competing against top programs, uh, it's just the kind of the way it's all packaged is, is mostly to reel in top recruits in my opinion. Um, and it's going to, and the, these new facilities at Michigan are, are definitely going to help. I know there's okay. other, there's prospects are already excited to see it and see the finished product. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, I'm just trying to think, like, if I was a recruit, especially an out-of-state recruit that didn't, like, grow up around Michigan, and I see facilities that are, like, really nice, and the, and you and the, I think the big thing is, like, it feels like a home. Like, it feels like, oh, I can't wait to hang out here after a tough practice, or I can't wait to, uh, oh, gosh, I just realized we're probably never going to get these guys for interviews because they're all going to be in the hot tubs. Um, but right. Uh, jokes aside, I mean, you know, I think making it feel like a place where you can not only feel at home, but also become an NFL player, you know, that's going to that's going to sell people. Uh, speaking of recruiting, the dead period ended, what, last Friday? So we've seen coaches going after players. And by the way, we did get some questions. Who is Michigan going to end the 2018 class with? It's just not going to be answered. You know, I'm not going to, I don't answer those. I don't do those anyway. I never have. Right. And you can go, if you want, you can go check the crystal balls. That's what the best guess is. Uh, The consensus best guesses for players. You can see who Michigan leads in the crystal ball with and operate from there. Be sure to get a VIP subscription so you can hear day-to-day updates, but no, there's no, no forecasting on this podcast, but uh, there have been some visits. I guess, what have you seen? What have been, either specific or general trends that you've seen on the recruiting trail uh, in this past week that have stood out to you, Steve? So first things first, we we mentioned that nothing happened over the last week, but one thing that did that we probably forgot to mention is they re-signed Chris Partridge, which is, uh, is very significant both on the field and on the recruiting trail. So having him back on the recruiting trail for, for Michigan is, is huge. He's already been all over the country. He's been in Georgia. He was in Massachusetts yesterday. I think he's in state today. Um, that was significant. You add in the other thing too. I don't know enough about Sharon Moore yet to have a huge opinion on it. I suspect that he's going to be very good on the recruiting trail, but Al Washington has the early looks of a guy who's going to make a difference uh, for the staff on the recruiting trail, big time. Um, talk about a guy who's been everywhere. So they put him in two of the toughest spots to recruit in the country right now, Ohio and Georgia. Um, Georgia's like, it's it's tough to recruit Georgia, but you can still recruit Georgia because really because Georgia can only take so many. It's kind of sad to say it like that, but you know Kirby Smart and his staff are really lucky uh, that they really don't even have to leave their backyard to sign a top 10, top five class. So, but there's still enough really talented players in there 
26 that, top 24-7 recruits in Georgia in the 2018 class. While 20, I think 2019 is even better, yeah. actually. Yeah. And then so, for 2018, just real quick, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. So nine states in the Big Ten have a combined 28. Yeah. No, it's it's a good time to be a Georgia fan. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way around <laughs> it. Granted, here's the thing, though. Granted, they've always had this talent there though just nobody could do anything with it right. so you know maybe smart is the exception although i think georgia graduates like 17 seniors or something so mm-hmm. uh they'll be interesting next year but uh back to michigan obviously yeah i think they got a potential recruiting star in al washington um i like the fact i mean michigan offered uh at least so they offered a kid out of a young kid out of Chicago this morning. We're on this is Thursday uh, this morning, but they offered two in-state prospects, and they've offered a couple more in the last few days. They've offered a few guys in Ohio, and uh, I think, and this is something I don't want to take too much. I don't want to take credit for this too much because I know Alan Trieu, one of our national guys, has really kind of mentioned this a few times. Is that I thought Michigan needs to be more aggressive in the Midwest and it appears that they're going to do that going forward. And I think that's a, I think it's smart. I think with the manpower they have, they should have been doing it in the first place. Uh, so is that smart? Because this might seem like a dumb question because they might have better, a better hit rate with those prospects or like, they're more likely to um, actually land the ones they're after. Cause we mentioned, we kind of threw the Midwest under the bus saying they have like no top prospects, right. but maybe they have a better shot there's less they spend less time going after guys they don't get i guess what's the what's the benefit to getting more midwest kids i i think i think you can build a winning program with your foundation being you still got to get i in my opinion i think it's one of the reasons like you know michigan state made the playoffs a few years ago but then they got schlacked by alabama um i just don't think michigan state had enough pure talent on their roster to, to go any further than what they did that year. But I think they've, they have proven that you can win big with a good solid Midwest core. Um, I mean, I know like in my opinion, and again, I think this is actually something Alan and I discussed as well. Like Ben Van Summeren should have been a guy Michigan had recruited much earlier than they did. And Vincent Gray, even the kid they're hosting from Rochester Adams this weekend on an official, this is his first visit to Michigan ever. That doesn't make any sense. Like you, you need to, you need to recruit your in-state players like harder, even if they're guys, maybe you don't even end up offering some of them, but you have to like keep those relationships, not just alive, but uh, thriving, you know? And so I think, think that they're going to start to push a little bit harder in that regard and uh the other thing is you know in ohio they've virtually you know they've they've signed a, they've always they've done well in signing a few really good players out of ohio every year you know like james hudson was was a great pull out of toledo you know a guy that Ohio State, I don't know how they didn't offer him like earlier. or I don't even remember if they ended up offering him or not, but either way, it was a mistake on their part. Um, you know, so they've kind of picked and chosen some spots there, but I think they need to go full force 
you know, and, and make Ohio. I know it's going to be, it's not going to be easy to recruit against Ohio state. I mean, they won a big 10 championship again. Uh, they won the Rose bowl or not the the cotton bowl. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I just assume USC plays every bowl game at the Rose bowl. <laughs> sorry. So um, they need to force some of these other schools to work a little bit harder for some of these guys. You know, like they, one of the first offers Al Washington made after he got hired was Cade Stover, who is a top 100 guy in 2019. He plays in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, grew up a Buckeyes fan. He's going to go to Ohio State, right? But at least get in there. At least put in some effort. Try to get him on campus a couple times. One, you never, you do never know, right? I mean, granted, I think in Ohio, I think some of these kids are conditioned almost to – you know, if you have yeah, the opportunity yeah. to go into Ohio State. I don't mean that negatively. It's just if you live in Ohio and Ohio State's always been a good football team, it makes total sense, right? Mm-hmm. So and Ohio State does the difference between Ohio State and Michigan, Ohio State doesn't have like a Michigan state in their state to compete against. Yeah. Right? For recruits. It's all Ohio State. And so, um, you know, so that's one of those things, yeah, you grow up in like rural Ohio, if there's a stud out of those one of those areas they're really hard to beat, you know, because that's, they've probably grew up diehard fan, you know? So, um, but you get aggressive, you get some aggressive recruiters. We talk about Washington, you got Partridge. Like I said, I think Moore enters the conversation there. Um, Jay Harbaugh, who I don't think gets enough credit as a recruiter. I still think nobody wants to listen. I still think the fact that Michigan almost got Najee Harris again, I know they didn't get him. So it's a loss technically, but it was about as close as you could get it. I mean, he, that was one of the better recruited, like j- recruiting jobs uh, by a Michigan assistant since Harbaugh has been there. There was Michigan really had no business even being in that conversation, to be honest. Um, and they really, they had him. Uh, I think there was some flip-flopping there at the end. So, um, you know, so you add Jay Harbaugh, Greg Madison, still a grinder and, uh, you know, we've even been hearing Tim Drevno's name a lot these last week or week and a half or so. And uh, and Jarrett Patterson, the top target in this cycle out of California, seems to really like Drevno. So um, it's possible he could close on on a on a big time guy here. So, you know, I I think just from an aggressive standpoint, I think the new hires were about the best pot. Enos too. Sorry, I didn't mention him. Um, but from an aggressiveness standpoint, I think you're going to see Michigan make more headway in state again and throughout the Midwest. But again, still while keeping their feet in the water in at the hotbeds, you know, the Georgia, which Mm Georgia is really, I want to say in 19 and 20, they've offered more kids in Georgia than any other state that include that's California, Texas, Florida, which is, and that includes the IMG kids in Florida. So, I mean, yeah. So Georgia still, even with Georgia having as much success as they had this year, uh, they have not relented. I mean, I think that's, I think this last week, I still think it's the state they've offered the most kids in. So, um, so yeah, so I think from a new, the new hires have been excellent from a recruiting standpoint, at least the early returns have been great, particularly Washington. And uh, yeah, so we'll see how they, I mean, as far as the 18 finish, We'll see. There's still a way. It's. I know it's like weird to say with it's like literally less than three weeks, uh, but there's still a ways to go. I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you've mentioned a couple uphill battles. 
yeah. and then, and then it's also a, a puzzle because you have to figure out which pieces fit in right with the class i do like one the one tidbit i'd say about 18 i th- I think if you're a fan if michigan can get and i think wilt fong has mentioned this if michigan gets two out of three of patterson petite frere and calvin anderson the grad transfer out of rice i think you should feel pretty good about uh about michigan's cycle in a, as a whole uh hmm. said a hundred times quarterback tight end offensive line uh, we're probably the biggest needs in this cycle. And sa- I would probably throw safety in there too. And and I, I don't know how you can't be happy. Uh, you really, you had sh- kind of technically have to add Shea Patterson in there. Uh, he's really no different than if it was a Juco guy. Uh, you know, as a guy that played a couple of years at it, say you just pretend that Ole Miss was a Juco school. Yeah. Uh, it's really, well, it's really no different. If he yeah. was a Juco no, prospect, if he was a Juco prospect, he'd be ranked. Like we would have, we have JUCO rankings, so he'd have been ranked. So you add him in, and, and you got what I, like I said, what I think is a is a good class. I mean, the defensive backs, linebacker, McGrone was a, named a five star today. Yep. Aiden Hutchinson might have been the best defensive player in the Army Bowl, um, and he's got the pedigree, the blood, you know, the Michigan blood in his system. So I, I think he's going to be a good player. So yeah, so. Got yep. the blood. I like that. Yeah, got the blood. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this show. This has been the Wolverine 24 7 podcast. Obviously, uh, we've got oodles of stories every single day. Uh, basketball, recruiting are probably at the forefront right now. But we are there with some football news and analysis as well. Hockey, we didn't mention hockey today. Uh, but if they can pick up a win or two this weekend against Penn State, well, they are right back into the NCAA tournament conversation. We'll certainly uh, be giving them lots of love. But anyway, uh, for now, be sure to check out, of our, out all of our stuff at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Uh, lots of stuff. Good stuff. Uh, this has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned some things. And we'll see you next time.